It's time again for Talking Trade, sponsored by MMAC's World Trade Association and Michael Best Strategies. Hello, everyone. This is Talking Trade. My name is Ken Waslick from EM Waslick and Associates. And I'm Sandy Siegel, president of ME Day, and it's a personal pleasure to introduce our guest um, for today, Bruce Glaub. I, Bruce, so we've known each other for many, many years. Um, Bruce is the principal trade acceptance group uh, based here in Wisconsin, and certainly a long and diverse career in trade finance and global trade services. And we've crossed paths many times over the years with mutual customers, um, international banking issues, and um, you know, it's always a pleasure working with you, chatting with you on um, from the finance perspective of things. And it's uh, really active in the local trade community. So I know you're, um, you know, have have your finger on the pulse of of some of today's challenges uh, going on with the economy and and our importers and exporters. Uh, so welcome to Talking Trade. It's really nice to have you, Bruce. Thank you. Great to be here. Yeah. So Bruce. Uh... Let's get started. And I know you're an expert in export credit insurance. Um, many companies don't use this. Why is it important for a company to have export credit insurance? I appreciate the question, Ken. And, and let's start with a definition and we'll get into the benefits because really understanding what it is um, kind of goes a long way. So really what trade credit insurance does, it protects your business. Um, if your clients don't pay you, then the insurer is going to actually pay out a percentage um, of what you're not paid. So in the U.S., um, you have a lot of different choices um, and a lot of different ways to maybe collect your funds. Internationally, much more difficult. And you don't have the expertise in law. You, maybe, you just don't have the tools or the tools are incredibly expensive. So rather than like what you do in the U.S. using the law maybe as your heavy hand, um, internationally, it's great to use trade credit insurance. That gives you the stick, per se, if uh, if you need to collect from someone. And then they are the ones that are, in turn, going to use the legal, the legal systems within each country. So you don't have to be the legal expert. Sounds good. So in this period of particular challenges um, on the important export side and supply chain in general, we've got... Shipments moving more slowly, unpredictably. I know we're, you know, getting vessels rolled all the time. Uh, schedules are unpredictable at best. A currency, a strong dollar, which you know is not um, always in the best interest of exporters, and it impacts them, of course. Freight rates have risen certainly over the last year or two. So a lot of economic and political challenge in, in today's environment. In addition to export credit insurance, what are some other tools that you know you take advantage of, utilize to be a partner and um, advice you give your customers? Yeah, so we'll go through some of the challenges and, and how our customers, how we're dis the discussions we're having with them and how they're maybe mitigating some of the risk. And we'll do it from a financial perspective. There are also other ways to, to be a really good partner with your customers. These are just some of the tools, the financial tools you can use. So in the supply chain, you know, shipping, as you know, incredibly well, Sandy, that you know, it's just taking longer to get from A to B. So the way uh, trade credit insurance, you know, the number one issue that we'll talk about or tool we'll talk about is it allows you to offer longer terms to your customer. So 
what that does is now instead of because the they would be in essence paying for the product before it may be even left port. Um, in this case, they actually could, if you give them additional 30 or even you know 60 days, meaning net 90 instead of net 30. Um, now you're being a much better partner because they have the goods almost almost for sure and maybe are even starting to sell some of them depending on what it is or have it installed. The way it helps you is um, you now have, it's a longer term, but it's a protected term. So um, you have that guaranteed payment. So you, you know that, okay, I'm not going to get paid in 30 days, but I'm definitely going to get paid in 90. And if I don't, I have this insurance policy that's going to pay me um, if something catastrophic happens, but it's a good partner. So I probably won't have to use it, but it's that, that really is what a lot of our partners are doing where they just extended terms longer terms just to show that good partnership bill probably bring them back in you know as to get better right um, but it sounds like a win-win for you know both the yeah. parties involved with terrific right and then what they can they can do a lot of our customers that we work with are you know they're pretty strong so they aren't borrowing a lot so they can wait to get paid but we do have those that need that cash flow so sure. what they can do is they can add that insured receivable to their borrowing base, their lender will happily lend against it, or they can even discount it to a factor. You know, those companies are going really fast and need every bit of capital. They can still act like a very strong company and just discount that. They don't make as much profit, but they still are a really good partner. And in these days when you're a good partner, you both reduce the profit you're gonna make in these tough times so that then you both can win and gain market share for those good times. Kind of like, again, the key is that partnership piece. Yeah, that's a great tool, um, uh, Bruce, uh, to look at right now. But um, right now, everybody's looking at uh, uh, headwinds on the economic side. Um, I just got back from Europe, and they're talking about higher inflation. And here in the U.S., the recessionary uh, winds are coming. We're talking about that here, slow growth in China and Asia. What are you telling your customers uh, to do today uh, to uh, insulate them from the future uh, over the next 6, 12, 18 months. Great. Thanks, Ken. I'm going to take this in two parts. One, I want to give like a, a, an example for those that may listen and, and are in the capital good space, because this is really critical and it's something they have not had to deal with for over 10 years. As you know, cost of funds have been negligible and there's been money swishing and swashing around out there. So um, for those in the capital space, um, what we're talking about is um, utilizing some sort of fire foreign buyer financing, like look at foreign buyer financing, because the normal terms are, say, the terms of 30-30-20-20, so 30% down, 30% um, you know, during the manufacture of 20% when it's ready to ship, and then 20% you know, once they receive it and inspect it. That's very, very, it's used very often. It's kind of was like a win-win type of scenario when you didn't have to worry about inflation and, and, and tremendous, tremendously high interest rates. Remember, interest rates are probably higher where your customer is in, in more places than not. <clears throat> so if you're selling a piece of equipment for a million dollars, you know, even in somewhere like Canada, where um, prime, that, that prime interest rate is around 6% or approaching 6% every month, 
that $100,000 that they have to finance is $500 lost to the buyer. So if you think of 30% down, every month they're paying an additional 1500 bucks that they probably didn't have to pay previously when interest rates were close to zero. Mm -hmm. And when you look at that in totality, um, it's like almost $20,000 based on that 30, 30, you know, 2020 model. And now that's Canada. Take Mexico or another, you know, place where interest rates are maybe double or more. And you can go on a million dollar piece of equipment, an additional cost of $50,000 quite easily in just interest. It's 5% increase. You know, all of a sudden, how are you able to compete with what a lot of foreign competitors are doing in offering foreign buyer financing. Two ways to do it, both public and private. Public is Export-Import Bank. They have a program. It is not utilized very much because it was it almost went away in 20, well, it did go away in 2015 for a little while. Um, and what that does is it allows the buyer terms of maybe three to seven years to pay for the product. It allows you to get paid when it ships. So again, when you talk about partnership, you're basically getting paid when it ships. You don't have you have a small down payment, so you know that's also key. But the the financing of this is being done by um, a bank who has a guarantee from Exim Bank. You have no recourse to you. So when you look at that from a public side, that's what a lot of um, foreign competitors are doing with their governments. That's, those are job programs. Now we, what's great about the US is we also have private alternatives. We have forfeited where it's easier to use an exam and you don't have to go through all the qualifications. So there's someone like London forfeiting that offers something very similar. Not as, you know, the terms aren't as long, but you know, they can basically discount milestone payments, no recourse to the seller. So again, private solution, a little easier than exam bank, but you know, maybe for a slightly bigger project. So fu fundamentally, you're bringing the money with the product and you're not competing just product only machine against machine, but you're coming with a hundred percent, uh, a total package for the your buyer. And what's great, Ken, I was going to say what's great, Ken, is you understand this really well because you have the finance and the selling background. So imagine you're not now competing against a foreigner where they're, uh, where they're offering a package and you're just sell, selling a product. Now you can go back to, um, because both of you have financing packages, you can both go to, okay, let's compete product versus product where we win often. Sure. Right. 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 Terrific. Okay. Bruce, I'm afraid we're running out of time. Thank you for, you know, the, the examples and the anecdotes that helps you. You do an amazing job as you always do in explaining complex topics and, you know, rather concisely and, I, I, you bring up some really valid points and, um, you know, the need for some of these programs, you know, um, wasn't as relevant a few years ago and in the really uncertain market right now, it's, I think they're, they're really valuable um, and a great tool. So thank you for joining us. I hope you'll come back, especially with the, um, the economic climate and uncertainty ahead and, um, and, and really bring some great insights. So thanks for joining us on Talking Trade. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Very Bruce. Thank you Talk both. to you again. Yes. Take care. You've been listening to Talking Trade, sponsored by MMAC's World Trade Association and Michael Best Strategies.